and also ambitious. By the end of this course, I want you to be able to read or view any Shakespeare play with confidence and understanding, with a feeling that you can understand not just the surface events of the play, but the deeper meanings, the hidden symbols, the larger themes and patterns, and also the dramatic techniques, the tools of the trade, if you will, that Shakespeare employs to generate the beauty and the power of his great plays. You'll be able to talk about Shakespeare with a depth of understanding that'll impress your listeners greatly. I've been teaching Shakespeare at Washington and Lee, at Princeton, at Notre Dame for nearly 20 years now in both traditional style literature courses and also drama courses where we emphasize Shakespeare as a playwright examining his work from the perspective of performance and the theater. I also teach Shakespeare to other audiences, ranging from alumni and elder hostels all the way to our local elementary schools. I've directed Shakespearean productions, and I've got extensive acting experience, all of which is to say I'm obsessed with Shakespeare in the best sense. And my real delight is helping students of all ages learn how to unlock the mysteries of Shakespeare so that the pleasures and the profundity of his work become accessible to them. So let's get right down to it. What makes a Shakespeare play so difficult? I mean, if he's so great, why is it so tough sometimes to get what's happening and what's being said? Let me give you the very first tool for understanding Shakespeare. To start to get a Shakespeare play, we want to start with a scene, to start with a moment of action on the stage and try to figure out what's going on right then and there. And we're going to start with a scene that we've all heard of before, the famous balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. And I like to start with questions. Where in the play does this scene occur? It's the start of the second act of the play, which means it's time to move from the preliminary business of Act 1 into the real heart of the play in Act 2. How does the scene begin? A young man, hardly more than a boy, looks up at a balcony where the young girl, whom he's just seen an hour before for the first time, is herself also looking up towards the stars. And the young man exclaims softly, as if to himself, though of course we can hear this too, but soft what light through yonder window breaks. It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Now what just happened there? This is one of the essential keys for unlocking Shakespeare, the way he uses his words. And we'll call this the words, words, words tool. Because when Hamlet is asked what he's reading, he responds, words, words, words. How does Shakespeare use these words? Shakespeare uses language in what we call figurative ways, meaning the language is representative, it's symbolic, it's metaphorical. In other words, he uses his language to mean something other than its literal meaning. Romeo looks up and he sees a light. Well, sure, Juliet's bedroom candle is burning. But Romeo doesn't stop at that literal meaning. The window, he says, is the eastern horizon. And the light he beholds is the sun rising, which, he says, is Juliet herself. Now, what's gained by using language in this way? What's gained is precisely a surplus of meaning, greater meaning, larger significances than the literal words would allow. 
For if Romeo is telling us that Juliet is now his son, this means that she has a cosmic significance to him. And indeed, a few lines later, he'll compare her eyes to stars and say that they could burn so bright that birds would sing and think it were not night. Juliet even becomes a goddess to Romeo, just like primitive man once worshipped the sun. And indeed, later in the play, Juliet will call Romeo the god of my idolatry, which, as we'll see, is a dangerous confusion of the love one gives to a man with the love one gives to God. In fact, one of the long-standing interpretations of this play is that the love Romeo and Juliet bear for one another is somehow too fine for earth. It belongs rather to the heavens. In almost the very last line of the play, the prince will say that because these young lovers are now dead, the sun for sorrow...